women tend to be really good at asking questions. We can kind of suck at listening though, because we're already on to the next thing. And then sometimes when you become that person that's asking a lot of questions, you might bypass like a little bit of just like tender kind of like nonchalant moments. Like there is some beauty of silence and you might get them like almost too vulnerable too quick. This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Collective. It's the best part of your week. Yes, I love that. Oh my gosh, when I was home in New Jersey, actually one of my friends was like, I just wanna let you know how much I'm loving listening to the podcast. I Like when people tell me that, or when people are like tagging us on Instagram, they're like, oh, I've been binging this and I love it so much. It is the best feeling ever. It makes me so happy. It's cause it's different than like other types of content you put out where it's like, yeah. you're seeing it. Like we don't know when people are listening, like, right. you know what I mean? So yeah, that makes me so happy when people say that. I'm like, Oh my God. Same, same, same. Oh my God. Um, um Oh, well, <sighs> I was gonna say, I'm so excited for today's episode. I know it's all about communication. Yes, we are talking with Dr. Ali. She's so Dr. fucking cool. She is say. so cool. And um, she's from New Jersey, which by the way, we didn't realize until like halfway through the episode. And there's just a Jersey bond, which is like so unreal. So if you're from New Jersey, please like message me and let me know because it makes me so happy. But anyways, Dr. Ali Arena is a speech language pathologist and a board certified behavior analyst. And we discuss all things communication to improve our relationships. Um, we literally communicate all day, every day, but I feel like there's ways you can communicate um, and communicate better. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think we're communicating all day, every day, but like, we're actually not really saying what we actually want to say. So we talk about people pleasing to piggy up back off of like last week's episode, we get her like professional insight since Christina and I are not board certified anything. <laughs> and then we talk about being passive aggressive ways. You can better communicate when you are starting dating. Um, we talk about, um, emotional intelligence, codependency, all sorts of things. And especially to, um, at the end we touch on raising, um, kids and communication in that aspect too, which is really interesting. Yeah. It's super different. Um, and I'm really happy that she got to dive into that a little bit because raising a child is so much work. And like, honestly, you're just like scared. You're going to fuck them up or like do something wrong and you're just trying to do the best job. So she shares some like really great tangible tips. Um, so if you have a child, make sure to listen to that part as well. Yeah. And I asked her why men don't ask first dates ask questions on first dates. So we weigh in on that too, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I honestly feel like whenever we have experts on like this, it's literally like a personal therapy session. It like, is. like we're like, hello, we, we're here bringing are my problems. Here are my problems. Can you help us? This is what I'm dealing with. But, but you know what? It's kind of like in school when a teacher's like, if you have a question, probably ever like 10 other people in the class have a question. So I think that when we're asking these questions based on our life, other people are like, oh my God, I was dying to hear that too. Yes, exactly. So hopefully you guys are on the same page with us. We are obviously going through different stages in our lives. So we kind of like hit all different things. So yes. Yeah, so if you're dating or married or have a kid, 
we got you on the communication front (laughs) by the way the amount of time steve is like you realize that you start saying a sentence and then you just mumble the rest and move on and i'm like guilty (laughs) um all right should we get into it yeah without further ado welcome dr ali to the podcast All right, everyone. Welcome, Dr. Allie, to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We are so great. We are good. We're thriving. We're thriving. (laughs) We're so excited about this episode because it is all about communication. And I think it... I mean, we communicate all day, every day, right? But like, there's ways to be a better communicator. And if I hear one more time from my husband that I'm not a good communicator, at certain points, it makes me want to scream. So I'm so excited about this because Rayanne's like navigating dating. I'm navigating like surviving with my husband and having a child. (laughs) And I just feel like we could be doing things a little bit more efficiently. Um, And we could all probably be better communicators. So we're so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I think you bring up such a good point. Like we communicate all the time, but it's not like anyone ever taught us how to do that with a person we choose to have partnership with or even like friends. Like that's not a class we had. No, no. But before we get started, can you kind of share (laughs) with our audience like your background and your and what makes you our expert in this? (laughs) Um, so my background is I actually started working with children on the autism spectrum and communication is a really big part there, right? Because socially communicating can be difficult. So I became a BCBA that literally just means I love to analyze patterns of behavior and then a speech therapist. So looked at communication, you know, all the parts of what it even means to communicate And then I went and got my doctorate and I looked at actually dating on the autism spectrum. However, now since like being out in the world, you know, there's a lot of people who struggle with communicating. You don't just have to have autism, right? So I've sort of branched out and seen, okay, like people who have ADHD have a hard time communicating. People who are just really in their head because they're so freaking busy and stressed have a hard time communicating. So I really, I've coached tons of individuals and couples on figuring out what their style is and how to work together better. That's so fascinating. And I'm especially fascinated when it comes to dating, because that's where I'm at right now. I'm like active, actively dating in LA. And I have to tell you, Ali, it sometimes drives me crazy that these men just, just, I'm like, they cannot communicate anything. And then I'm like, am I a good communicator? Probably not like the best, but I don't know. Do you see in general, and I don't want to make sweeping statements. Is it harder for men to communicate than women? (laughs) No, I think that's, I don't think you're making a sweeping statement. I think that's very valid. I online dated in LA too. And I would just be like, I don't, like I asked a question. So you would say an answer back, I would think, but people would like, bypass that and just kind of, um, so I do think women, I do feel typically are better communicators purely because we're more in touch with our emotions. We tend to be more concerned with the other person, right? So like we'll listen for a question or we'll like genuinely try to learn more about another person. Um, where men though do have some strengths is men are pretty good at saying what they want directly, right? They're not really beating around a bush. It's like this, this is actually what I want. Or like when they say they're fine, 
they probably are fine or <laughs> they are right? like, or they're working through something and then they'll directly ask you like, oh, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. When we say things, sometimes there are like eight other interpretations. If you're not looking at our face, you don't realize what we're really saying. Right. So there's strengths and weaknesses. But I do think in initial dating, women tend to be they sort of carry the weight a little more and bringing the communication along. Okay. You've just said so many things. First of all, I feel seen. I feel attacked. I know. I feel, <laughs> I feel heard. All of it. Um, yeah. Ray, Rayanne talks about this a lot. And this is something that I see a lot of women struggling with when they're dating and they're going on dates. And you always complain, Rayanne, that you feel like you're carrying the conversation. You're asking all the questions. So if someone is newly dating and they find themselves in that situation, do you have any tips for them to like maybe hold back, I guess, so the other person can better communicate. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. So again, as women and especially women, like both of you have chosen to, you know, have a podcast where you're literally helping people. Right. So like your natural inclination is helping. So you might kind of go into like question mode because you're like, ah, can I curse? I don't know. If yeah. Oh, is. yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, ah, fuck, this is awkward, right? Like, I don't want this awkwardness to keep happening. So I'll keep asking questions. Um, so yes, in that situation, I would say women tend to be really good at asking questions. We can kind of suck at listening though, because we're already on to the next thing. And then sometimes when you become that person that's asking a lot of questions, you might bypass like a little bit of just like tender kind of like nonchalant moments. Like there is some beauty of silence and you might get them like almost too vulnerable too quick. So like I found because I'm a therapist, like I'd be on dates sometimes and I'd be like, wait, I'm just giving therapy because I basically like asked too much. Right. And now I'm like, Oh, now I'm in your shit. And I feel like <laughs> I need to be helpful. So you, you know, you don't want to be in that situation either. No one's really trying to date their their therapist or like their helper, right? That's not sexy initially. So it's just something to look at. Yeah, I feel like I'm guilty of that where I've, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want there to be an awkward silence or I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. So I am like making sure I'm like, question, question, question. But then recently I have been like holding back and I'll just like, let there be a silence to try and see if they'll ask a question. Cause it is so interesting. Like if I'm on a date and a guy to, is like, Oh, I took my dog for a hike. I could think of 10 questions right there. You know what I mean? But I feel like when I say something like that, guys are like, Oh, cool. And I'm like, do you want to know what kind of dog I have? Where did I go hiking? What do, did I go with a friend? Who's my, what's my friend's name? Like, I'm like, you don't want to know anything. I'm like, it baffles me. So I definitely think what you said, Ali, I need to maybe cool it on asking so, so many questions, but I will not lie to you. It drives me nuts. I'm like, just trying to get these guys to ask me a damn question is like pulling teeth. So like a, a simple tip. So I agree with you, right? Like if I said I went hiking, a natural question would be like, oh, where? Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah. It, how did you get your dog? Like, did you rescue? What kind of dog? <laughs> right. I totally get it. Um, but what you can do when there's awkward silence, and I wouldn't do this like every time, but you can answer your own question, right? Like if you can be like, like if someone was like, how was your weekend? or you ask someone, how was your weekend? And they go good. And then they don't ask you, you could be like, yeah, this weekend I did whatever. <laughs> so at least you're moving it along. Um, you know, I think 
for men still initially in first dates, it's more awkward than they want to admit. And I think there is a little bit of like, I, I, I don't know what questions to ask. Um, and I do, I've spoken with a lot of men who have also gotten feedback that they've asked like questions that um, the girl shut down. So I just think dating's weird right now yeah. and people get kind of caught in like whatever history they've had around certain things. Listening really is like relationship, dating, friendship, the nicest thing you could do for someone. Cause we don't, like we don't listen anymore. We're busy. Like it's really hard to give people space. So just letting a conversation unfold. And I, I get it. I am like ADHD. I want to talk, but you can cut off the ability to maybe have a more real moment when that, with that person. That's such good advice. Um, and I think like, obviously as you know, dating and starting new relationships, are there like ways that we can set up? Because obviously as you're dating, having a relationship is the end goal. Are there like ways to incorporate communication or things you can do from the getting the get go to establish good communication and relationship? Because I'm sure you see most problems in relationships probably stem from like lack of communication. Mm -hmm. So are there things we can do as we are dating before it gets to a serious, serious relationship to establish those good communication styles? Yes, for sure. So I think one of the things I love to talk to women about is just having like your own rituals that work for you. So like, for example, let's say you're a girl that needs to wake up and like take a walk or you're a girl that's like, I do Pilates three times a week. So I don't go crazy. Right. Like I know I need these things. It's so helpful to be really clear about that because then it's not the awkward, like, yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, we can go to dinner at that time, even though I normally take Pilates, but I'm trying to date them. So like, I don't want to seem unavailable. Right. But then a few weeks later, you're kind of resentful because you haven't gone to the thing you wanted to, but you never really communicated that. So it's really good to have the whatever those things are for you, right? Like, I don't know, maybe you see your parents on Sundays or something. And like, that's just something you do um, to try to keep those things still pretty solid. So you're not backtracking later and annoyed. Um, and I think also, you know, I've been in situations where people, they text back like, three days later. And I'm like, come on. So, right. Like, and I think it's just being really like, Oh, I actually already made plans and it might come across a little bitchy, but it is like something has already happened. If you've waited this long to respond. Um, and then vice versa. Like if you do that to someone, like I'm, I'm actually horrendous about my phone for someone who teaches communication. So, but like owning that, right. Like, Hey, sorry, I really was working back to back all day. Um, maybe say something cutesy, like I'm excited to talk to you or see you, but also like owning if you don't get back to someone in kind of like a, an okay manner. Um, I don't know if those are helpful. I think those are super helpful. And I love that tip about like being really upfront about your schedule and honoring what you love to do, because it is so easy when you start getting into relationships to kind of like put yourself second or like move things around to accommodate another person. But you are right. You do get resentful and it is just better to like have everything up front. Now, when you were saying about the lack of communication, when it comes to texting, I have a question about this because personally, I feel like if someone is not texting you for three days and you're starting to date, they just, they don't care enough. 
So is that like I, me quickly putting someone into a category or is it just being like real? Because I kind of feel like if a guy wants to see you, if a guy wants to talk to you, he will talk to you and he will, he will try and make a point to see you. What are your thoughts on that? Am I just a bitch or, or what? No, I think you're being real. No, I, I do. I think you're being real. The truth, we're all guilty of this, right? I don't text the people back that I want to talk to right away because I'm like, ah, they can wait. Subconsciously, I don't think I'm consciously like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. But you text people like if a client is really wants to have a session and I'm going to get paid for it, like I'm texting them back. Right. So that, you know, like I think um, I think you're accurate with that. And if a person does go off the grid, look at that. If you try again and it's a pattern, they might genuinely be a really crappy communicator and maybe they're a phenomenal person. But to your point before, communication's so much of a relationship. So like, do you really want to be in a relationship with someone who can't say to you like, hey, I'm going to meet my friends at the bar. Um, you know, like this one's a really simple one. I do this when I, um, my fiance and I have this role, like if you're going to drink or whatever a lot with your friends. Cool. It happens, right? Like he's been going to a lot of bachelor parties. Text me and say like, hey, we're going to a club. I'm going to lose signal. Love you. And like, that's it. Then I'm cool. I'm not sitting there going like, what? I haven't heard from you in hours. Like, are you dead? You know, like, it's just, that's kind to be an upfront communicator. I wonder how much of that can actually change with a person. Like how much can you teach? Like, let's say you're in a relationship with someone who's a really bad communicator. Like I would say my ex wasn't great with this. Like, and I felt like I was banging my head against the wall, trying to get him to communicate with me. And it's like, how much can, cause you know, it's like, you can't change people, but is communication something that you can work on? Or when is it time to just be like, all right, are we, we are communication styles. What I need and he's able to give me is not, um, it, it's not working. Yeah. I think that's such a good question. So the chances of you ending up in a relationship with someone where you guys communicate the same is pretty slim, right? It's pretty rare that two people are just totally on the same continuum. So knowing that it's a choice then to learn to communicate like the person that you are in relation with. Um, so for example, I am the type of person, if you just say like what we're doing, what time I'm cool. I'm like, okay, let's go do it. Right. My fiance needs to know what, when, how, why he needs all of it. And initially it used to drive me nuts, but then I sort of just realized like, wait, that's what you need. If I just give you that information, this becomes a one minute conversation mm-hmm. as opposed to this back and forth where you're asking me all these things, right? So just learning what they need and also like not being annoyed at them for that. Like his brain is also the reason like our finances are in order because he asks like who, what, when, where, why, right? Where I'm a little bit like, ah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so respecting people's brains and, and what they need for communication. It's definitely a choice to learn that about your partner. Mm. I started learning this about me and my partner, my husband, Steve. He was like, you're a bad communicator. And I was like, you're an idiot. Like, (laughs) no, I'm not. Like, but he, but he's right. Like there are certain things where like, I just feel like I might, I, my brain is moving so quickly. I'm so all over the place that I oftentimes don't even like complete sentences. Like I'm already onto the next thought. And he's like, wait, what? Like you didn't, you just started telling me something. Now you're onto something else. Like, how am I supposed to help you? If like, I don't even know what you're saying. Um, and I realized that like, also when that came, I wasn't even listening as much to him either because, 
And it took a while for him to like sit down and like tell me how he felt about everything was like super upfront. And I was like, wow, I do do all these things, but I'm moving so quickly. I don't even realize it. Um, but to your point, Ray, I think you can change because I have made a very conscious effort to be better at that. Good. Um, <laughs> in our last episode, we talked a lot about people pleasing. This is something that we're both guilty of that a lot. Of, oh, me too. Yeah. That a lot of women in our communities are super, super guilty of. What are your thoughts on people pleasing? Like, why do we do this? How do we stop? And, and especially in relationships, like is people pleasing a bad thing? Yeah. So really quick, I want to go back to what your husband had said to you about listening. Okay. That is the biggest complaint of men. That is what men say all the time. Um, and I think to your point, like you, you have it together. You have a kid, you have podcasts, you're doing your life. Your brain is moving fast. So the person that's normally going to get the like brunt of that is your partner. It's like, you can only communicate effectively so much. Like you're hosting this podcast. You are, you are using your brain right now. So a few hours later, you might be like, I actually can't do complete sentences. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's so hard to do that, that, yeah, you're not listening to what he's saying. So a strategy around that is definitely picking times when you're going to talk about things. So like, if you're a more, if you guys happen to both be morning people, like maybe while you're having coffee, it's like the 10 minutes of connection, or maybe after your son takes his bath or something, right? Like a time that feels a little bit calmer. So the environment feels a little better, better to take in information, but that is like number one complaint of men. And I think women can actually handle more in their brain than men. Like we are built for multitasking. I'm not saying it's a great thing, but we can do it. So when you hop around, it's like, they really are like, wait, no, you didn't finish that topic. I don't know what you're talking about now. Um, yeah, I think that's a great tip. And I've realized that about myself. Um, when my husband's trying to tell me something, I'll be like on my phone, be like, I, can you, can we talk about this later on? Because I'm only listening to you like through one ear right now and I'm nothing soaking in and I want to be able to pay attention to you and answer you. So like after my son goes to sleep, I feel like it's like our time to talk about things. Um, because otherwise like I'm only half paying attention and like, that's not fair for him or for me. So I think that's a good tip, like setting that time aside. Yeah. And also that's really vulnerable of you to just be like, look, I'm not listening to you right now. Like I think owning it is important too, yeah. right? Like instead of doing the fake, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then not taking the action that's going to bother the person more. So owning that. Um, okay. People pleasing. So look, that starts in childhood. I have it bad as well. I've really tried to work through that, but kind of my example before of figuring out what your rituals are, figuring out your non-negotiables, getting really like Something as simple as I don't like sushi. Sushi is a really popular date in LA. And I, I'm going to be honest, I went on a few sushi dates because I was like, oh God, I don't want them to think I'm not like flexible or whatever. But again, you're already starting like a lie. And I was awkward as hell because I never used chopsticks. <laughs> like, I ordered like the most basic roll ever. You know, like it, you just set yourself up to not be in a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, also, you know, so little stuff like that. Like if you're a girl that likes to drink a beer and that's what you're going to drink long-term, do that. Or if you're not someone that drinks, or if you'd prefer to start with coffee, like these are little ways to not people please and just honor yourself. 
Um, and then again, throughout, it's just that honest communication. Like, and it's not, I don't want anyone to feel like they need to be like rigid. Like, let's say your partner really likes horror movies and you don't, you can watch a horror movie with them because it matters to them. It's when it becomes like a pattern, right? Like all of a sudden you've gone to like four horror movies, all these Marvel movies. And you're like, I'm spending money on these things and I don't even like them. And I've never said it like that's people pleasing at its core. Like just doing what that person needs because the discomfort of them being uncomfortable in any way is more important to you than like your own needs. Wait, can I ask you real quick? So my husband complains he hasn't seen a horror movie in the past decade since we've been together. So am I too rigid? Like, do you think that maybe (laughs) I need to take one for the team and like watch a horror movie? But like, I truly hate them. So like, I'm like, no, I'm not fucking watching that. But like, do I maybe need to actually watch it with just like one eye open? I don't know. (laughs) No, I mean, you guys have been together a long time. I'm sure he has like friends who would watch this with them. Who's he watching horror movies with? Regina. I don't know. (laughs) No, this is interesting because I feel like I will say like my husband, I think bends a lot more in our relationship than I do. And like, I don't, when I, when I say that out loud, I'm like, wait, maybe I need to be a little bit more mad, Bill. Maybe I need to like offer a little bit more too. So like, fuck, I'm going to tell him I'll watch a horror movie this October. I feel like though, isn't there a difference between compromising and people pleasing though? Yeah. Like, absolutely. So you, you're compromising, you're being a good partner and look, you can make it fun though. Like maybe you guys are watching a horror movie, but you made like, I don't know, pumpkin teenies or something. And like, you're making it like a a fall. So you're getting something you want out of it too. Um, but yeah, that is, that's a compromise. That's like, okay, this matters to you. Like football. I don't, I'll watch it, but I'm more into like the appetizers that are happening <laughs> For while sure. watching football. Yes. You know what Same I mean? Yeah. Like, so whatever that compromise is, um, but a people pleasing act might be like, oh, you like the Niners. Okay. I'm going to get like a Niners Jersey. I'm going to like cheer at every game. Like that's not, you're just faking it. <laughs> mm. Is there, okay. Yeah. I want to hear your opinion on is people pleasing and being passive aggressive sometimes like go hand in hand? Oh yeah. So women tend to be more passive aggressive than we think. Um, like I I don't think most women would describe themselves that way, but yeah, that not by not communicating your wants and needs, which can feel scary for a lot of people. Like if they've had trauma or they've been raised to just kind of like fall in line to really communicate your wants and needs feels a little scary. But when you don't do that and you allow someone else to maybe like dictate a lot in the relationship, you will get passive aggressive. Like something as little as like sushi, eventually you're going to be like, yeah, I mean, we can do that for you. And the person's going to be like, what are you talking about? We've had sushi like a million times. How is this about me? So then you're also setting yourself up that like, yeah, Mm-hmm. Like they're thinking like you and your head are like, I'm giving them a salad. I gave them sushi. I gave them sushi. I gave them sushi. And they're like, I had no idea. I thought we were just going on dates, you know? Wow. Yes. This shit happens all the I time. I think I'm not <laughs> as a good a communicator as I thought. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that one hit home. That one really hit home there with that passive aggressiveness. Maybe I'm way more passive aggressive than I thought. I think we all are. A little I, bit. I mean, I am. Look, we're all guilty of it. It's just, checking it and seeing it, but it comes a lot to, you know, like knowing yourself, like 
what works, what works, what do you like? And I think that's such a journey that we're always on. And I feel like once you get like, you know, more into your thirties and you have a moment to like figure out what you like, it's, it's easier. It's easier to have those conversations. Cause I was going to ask like how, so it's like, yes, okay. We shouldn't be doing these things, but in the moment, sometimes it's so hard not to fall into those patterns. So is it just like, okay, we need to be aware of it. And like over time, this is something that will just improve or like, how can people actually start implementing these changes and not keep repeating these patterns? Well, one, identify it, right? Like notice your pattern if it's happening. Um, Like I was saying before, definitely just get clear on what works for you and doing that over and over. So it's so part of your routine. It's not going to feel as weird to have to like make a boundary or say that doesn't work for me, right? Being really like a few things just that you know really work for you. Um, And then... I I think it's just practice and like being mindful, slowing down. Like, so for a lot of women, that's the hardest thing. Their, their thoughts are so fast that they might just be agreeing to something without even realizing they agreed because then they're already moving on to the next thing. Um, so just being mindful and slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely do that. Um, I want to know your thoughts on love languages Um, do you know about the five love languages and like, yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those in relation to communication? Because I feel like that's something that like, I've been doing a lot of research on, like, I mean, the love languages is all about communication, right? It's like trying to figure out like what your partner likes. So like, how would you honor those? And how do you express to someone, um, if they're maybe like not meeting up to like what you need, like, like whether it's like in a relationship or sexually or whatever, like how do you communicate that? Like you were just talking about this yeah, the other day on the other podcast. Wait, did we discuss it on the podcast? Yeah. Right. The guy with the nails. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if someone's saying to you, like, tell me what you want. And you're like, I don't know how to tell you, you suck at all this. Like, how do you, how do you communicate that? Oh yeah. <laughs> that is hard. So I think one, I do love the love languages and I love like you, you had Dr. Viviana on, right. Yeah. She was talking about her intimacy style. So I think, Anything that you can make it that it's not necessarily like you thought of this, right? Like, look, there's something validated that Mm -hmm. helps to explain why we think that's a little bit easier in relationships and not dating. Like, look, there's this quiz that will actually tell us what's going on. That's great because it's not you necessarily coming in and being like, hey, I need to talk to you about this and you're doing this wrong. Um, The other thing is, let's say someone's not like pleasuring you in a way that works. Right. Um, so what you could do is give a lot of examples of what does work, but not directly like what you're doing does not work. Like anytime you start to go like you, and I know I'm using my finger a lot, but that feeling of like someone is, is seeing me and like annoyed at me, people initially become defensive. That is like very natural, right? We're still we're still lizard brains trying not to get eaten by like a saber tooth tiger. So if someone's attacking us in any way, you'd have to be really trained to not get defensive. So as much as you can make it maybe like generalities, like, Oh, I really liked this. Or like, if you watch porn, like I really like this porn, like not making it directly about them, but just stuff that you know has worked before. Um, And then with the love languages, again, like there is a quiz, there's something to go back to. 
Um, and you can get really clear. Like, so my partner, I used to get him a lot of, um, like trips and like surprises. And finally he sat me down and he was like, Allie, I want literally the thing I asked you for. And like, to me that felt so, I was like, what? You just want me to literally press buy on Amazon. This is what you want for me. Like that, that's not romantic. I don't, I, I don't get it. But I learned to kind of get over that because it's not really about me. It's him getting what he, he wants. Right. Um, so, and then being really clear. So he always writes me a card because my love language is words. Probably not surprising. Like he just knows to do that. He's like, all right, she needs that one. (laughs) Yeah. I think so many times, like you said, it's not about us. Like we are like, wait, what do you mean? You don't want that. Cause that's what we, we would want, but the other person, what they need is different than what we need, but we're just thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is natural. We all, I mean, we think about ourselves like a lot more than we'd want to admit. And it's, it's natural. It's not like that you have some big ego. It's just, you're thinking about and protecting yourself. But right. When you're in relation with another person, you might not totally get why they need that thing. But I guess that's the bigger thing. If someone's saying I directly need this and you don't honor it, that's kind of messed up. If someone's vulnerable enough to say I need and want this, and maybe you're like, oh, I don't really get it, but okay, that that's fine. You just need to honor that they're requesting it. Honestly, I think that is like showing love in the most amazing way. When someone's like, I do not get this, but I love you. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. That is like, oh my gosh, like, wow, that is like, oh, that would just like the day that that happens. Cause like you said, you're probably not going to communicate the same way as your partner, but as long as they're showing and like taking the initiative to understand what you need and like act on that, then that I think is like speaks volumes. Yeah. And communication's lifelong, right? Like, like when you have a newborn communication really isn't that high. It shouldn't be that high of an expectation. Like you don't have a brain. You're literally raising like a, you're just trying to keep your kid alive. Right. So communication is short and sweet. You're probably not going to have these like long vulnerable moments and to not, no one should feel bad about that. Right. There's different seasons for, you know, when you're initially dating, it's like you get really deep and it's so fun. And then as the relationship continues, it kind of becomes like a little bit administrative, right? Like, Oh, are you grocery shopping? What are we eating for dinner? Right. So just to look at those seasons and not see them as bad, but if you can then always bring back in that layer of vulnerability and like a check-in, like, are we communicating that well? Like, do I actually know what's going on at my partner's job? And COVID I realized like I stopped asking him how his day was because he's literally downstairs. And like, I didn't feel like we were having days anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, Hey, can you actually say what's going on in your partner's life? If you can't, you might need to be checking in a little bit more. I love that. I definitely think we could all be doing that a little bit better. Um, what are your thoughts on lies, like white lies in a relationship? If someone is super guilty of this, like how do we get them to stop and why do people do this? So white lies. So white lies are a social construct, right? So we do them either to, um, you know, like avoid any, um, discomfort or to not hurt someone. So look, I think white lies, it's all relationship dependent. Like, um, there are times when I don't think I look that good. And I actually just really need my partner to be like, Ellie, you're beautiful. Like, and he's totally white lying. Right. Like, um, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm having a moment. So I think there, there's a time and a place for them. Um, but white lies that 
are a pattern. That is something to look at. Um, and it, it makes you question what they have to lie for. So like, oh, did you go to Subway? And I don't know, they really went to Mendocino Farms and they didn't correct that. Like, that's weird if that happens like over and over. You have to start to be like, huh, like what, is this just really natural for you? I guess that's what I would say. Look at that pattern. Like, is it natural for them to not correct you or to just sort of let a lie linger for a while? If someone is having that behavior, what is that like a sign of? Or like, what does that tell you about them? It could be a few things. It could be childhood, right? They just, I don't know, to protect themselves for a long time, they had to do white lies. Um, it could honestly be like laziness. Like, I don't feel like correcting this. Like, oh, Subway, Mendocino Farms, I had a sandwich. Why do they need the details? Um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know, I've been in a situation before where uh, my partner will be saying something and I'm like, oh, I thought you said it was this. And then, it, and it's not a big thing. Like, it's not like a, like, like, oh, I thought you said you were at soccer at this time, but it was a half hour later or something. It's just what you guys got to feel it works for you because then that can feel weird if you're in front of people and you're like, oh, wait a second, how are we not on the same page? We're together all the time. Um, so I guess it's a conversation around how transparent you guys are with each other. You know, some, some couples leave a lot of things that they don't communicate with each other. Um, so just getting clear on that. And I guess digging a little bit, like if those white lies happen a lot, just kind of like, do you really, I guess a bigger question would be like, do you realize you're doing it? Cause if they don't, that could mean that they actually do larger lies really easily without you having any idea. Yeah. Yeah. That was what, that was a big problem in my past relationship was he would, I would always find him in these like white lies and it just like led to me being like, what else is he lying about? Or it's like, Oh, you weren't there at that time. And he didn't correct in something changed, whatever. But then I'm like, why won't you just tell me? Cause then I'm like, why would he be telling me that? Like, I would like, well, he obviously, because for me, the only reason I would not be honest is like, I'm hiding something or there's like something there. So uh, that is something I learned where it's like, if someone does that, like, I just don't, I, in the next partner that I have, I just have zero bandwidth for that. And like zero patience for that. And that's something that I'm just like, I can't, I can't, that's one thing that I just cannot handle um, because it drives me literally insane. Yeah. And like, if you're getting that gut reaction too, like that's something, right? If you're like, this is happening a lot, this feels weird. Like, yeah, that's, that's definitely something. Can we talk a little bit about codependency in relationships? Um, first of all, I feel like I hear this word all the time and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. So codependent. But like, what is it really? <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those words that got like really popular. Um, so look, there's, there are some, have you ever met a couple that like genuinely loves doing everything together? Like they're so happy to just be together all the time. And so I think they could get labeled as codependent and maybe they are a little codependent, but it's not negatively affecting them. So typically you're codependent when maybe you don't have great boundaries. Maybe you had some trauma in life, right? And you're just would love to just be with someone, right? Sometimes that can lead to codependency and two people with the same amount of like quote unquote hurt could find each other and then really, really bond. And they, they, they might be considered codependent. However, it could work for them. They could be so happy. Then there are people kind of like me who 
I love being in a relationship, but I also like love being alone. So that's where if you have a person like that and a really codependent person, there'll be a ton of friction because the typically a codependent person has a hard time honoring someone else's boundaries and they don't have a lot of boundaries themselves. So they're really easy to like meld in with another person. Um, Sometimes depending on like the level of codependency, a person can kind of be like a chameleon. Like if you ever met that girl who all of a sudden is dating a guy and now she's like, Oh yeah, we're so, and we make sourdough bread. And we like, and I'm like, who are you? Like you were smoking a cigarette a year ago. (laughs) So like, you know, that's, that's an example of like sort of not having an identity and then being codependent on that person. Like your identity starts to become part of that person. Um, And it can be, healthy ish if it's working for both of you. However, what happens is if one person starts to do some work and get some boundaries and starts to put those in that codependent bond gets shook and the other person might not be able to come along with them. Interesting. So it's codependency also like if let's say one person like wants to have designated time with their friends and that like pisses the other person off. Is that like codependency? That could be, yeah, that could be an indication. Um, and again, you always want to be, um, you want to be in relation with someone, right? Like you guys are, you're in a relationship. It's very, but you also always want to have like other relationships with other people. Like, I guess really true codependency is like my partner is my life and I have nothing outside of them or vice versa. Right. So, and then maybe like your kid becomes your life too, but there's nothing else. You don't have your other interests. You don't have other friends. Um, that's codependency. And I want to just preface when you have a newborn, maybe, yeah, that is going to be your life obviously, but not like long-term that shouldn't just be, that's your only unit and you have nothing else going on. Jeez. Like I have a newborn and that's, I honestly, that sounds suffocating to me. Like I feel like you're good though at like you and Steve took a vacation, like, cause you knew to be good parents, you have to like take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Because I, it is interesting when you were saying that, cause I'm like, wow, I guess I'm really not a codependent. I'm very independent. And I feel like my husband's pretty independent too, or like, at least he just doesn't care as much if I like do my own thing. He understands I need that, which is really good because I'm someone who gets like suffocated really, really easily. Um, Yeah. And I bet, honestly, that dynamic works for you. He probably finds that really sexy. Like there's something very sexy about seeing your partner being in something else they really love. That's not you. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, um, my partner's an engineer and he does a lot of like woodworking and 3d printing, super nerdy, but like, it's hot when he's like totally in that. I have no idea what any, anything he's doing. I don't even, I'm horrendous at all that, but it's cool to see that other side of a person. Um, and if I was codependent, maybe I would sit there and like watch him do it all day. Like that sounds like hell to me. Like, no, I'm going to go do what I want to do and then see your finished product and be really proud of you. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like, I think that was something I struggled with. It was like, it's so it's complicated in a certain way. Like I get like, I'm like, cause I do, I had my own thing, but at the same time, I don't know if this is codependency and you can give me your, your insight here. I didn't want to be obsessed with like spending every time with him, but I was, but like, it drove me crazy that I was, does that make any sense? So it totally does. And look, I think as we're growing up and we're kind of younger, like early twenties and stuff, you're still figuring it out. 
So it is a little bit easier to be around a person and just kind of be with them all the time and like lay around and watch Netflix instead of like, I don't know, maybe doing the graduate school work you want to do or like what, you know, like the other big thing you have to or want to do. So it's a little bit easier to be codependent when you're still figuring your stuff out. It's like, oh, their journey sounds fun. I can hop on that. And then also there's a fear component. So sometimes when you are around a person a lot, um, maybe subconsciously, there's a little bit of fear that they might leave you. Um, They might see something better. Um, and it, again, it could be subconscious. You might not actively be thinking it, but that could be happening. Interesting. I, I feel like sometimes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, codependency also leads from like insecurities in a relationship too, right? Like pretty much yes. what you were just saying about yes. fear. Like, I feel like, did you actually want to spend all the time with him? Or are you annoyed that he maybe didn't want to spend all the time with you? Or do you know what I mean? Cause I feel like sometimes if you feel like someone isn't making that time, you, you try to like push yourself into all the time. I don't know. It was, I think it's maybe a yeah. combination. Like I would like, if he was available, like I just always wanted to spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Like I would give up other things. Cause I was like, I wanted to spend time with him, but maybe it was cause his time was so limited. I don't know what it is. I just knew it was fucked up and I'm glad I'm not <laughs> in anymore, but it wasn't, it wasn't right. <laughs> well, I think that's another thing though, like with communication and initial dating, if you notice someone is like very rigid with their time or they're only giving you X amount of time, like that can, that sets up sort of an uneven dynamic. And if they're not communicating something else, right? Like, Hey, this week, you know, I don't know. I suck. I have a deadline, but I really want to see you. And we're going to be together all of Sunday. Like if you get that kind of communication, it feels more secure. Right. You're not like waiting, like, oh, okay, they finish work Friday. So if they're available Saturday, like I want to see them, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where the problem was. Like my ex-partner like would work literally, he worked three months in a, like without taking a day off. And like one of the things we were trying to work on was like, okay, one day a week, you have to take one day a week off and we have to do an activity together. Cause my love language is like quality time. And we did it like one time and then it was like, he didn't honor that. And that's when I knew it was like this thing, if you can't compromise, like it's not working, but like, I think it was just like those extremes where then it just like drove me, drove me mad. Um, but anyway, this isn't turning into a, this is turning into a personal therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I want to talk about emotional intelligence. Yeah. This is something like another buzzword word that's like thrown around a lot. And we're like, do we know exactly what that means? Like, what is it to be emotionally intelligent? Yeah, fair. And I do think it's a buzzword. So it initially came out of like, um, business culture, right? Like that's where that word came from. But honestly, being emotionally intelligent is one, knowing that you have emotions and knowing when they're going to come out possibly. Right. So knowing yourself and being aware of like, Oh, I have some triggers or like, Oh, I may do this defensive behavior. So it's like knowledge of yourself. And then two, it's the ability to take perspective, right? So to think about other people, like if one of you, you are not doing this, but if you were kind of looking at your watch or something, I might be like, Oh, we need to go quicker. Like, so looking and really taking in perspective. Right. And then the other thing is, um, to be really emotionally intelligent, you're also empathetic. So where a lot of people can sometimes get empathy a little wrong is, um, let's say one of you were having an issue and you came to me 
And I immediately went into therapy mode and I was like, oh, you could do this, 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 or this. But I never actually gave you that space to just sort of like feel what you were feeling. And I never said like, oh, I see you. Like I've been there, right? I immediately go into just trying to help you. That's not really that empathetic. That's like, I'm uncomfortable and I just want to get to the point where we're in action mode. So empathy is really being able to like sit and be open. That's interesting. I wonder if I do that sometimes. I feel like I'm very quick to like give advice to people. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to honor that and try and do that. Um, Can I ask you something? This is something that like, I've been like trying to figure out and like, I never obviously had to worry about it until I had a child, but like I was listening to like a TikTok video and they're like things that you should or shouldn't say to your kids. You're like, everyone has fucking advice to give you when you have a child. Okay. A lot of it, most of it unsolicited, but now I'm asking for it. So lay it on me. Um, But there was something about like, you never want to tell your kid, I'm so proud of you. You want to say to them, you should be so proud of yourself and like little things like that. And when I I heard that, I was like, oh, I get that. Right. Because like, you don't want your child to seek outside validation. Like they should be doing something to validate themselves. But like, there's so much of this that's going around and like, you're just trying to like raise a human being. Like, so how do I, if you have any tips to raise my son, to be emotionally intelligent, to be like a happy baby and to like not fuck him up along the way, like what are your tips? Yes. No. And I told, I see all these videos too. It's like, don't say this, say this. And like, so a lot of this comes out of, we used to label people as like good or bad, right? Like, Oh, good girl. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so we've moved past that because we also say that to like our dogs and stuff. Right. So people are like, all right, like let's not just label good and bad. Also that makes it very, um, it's just a scale of this is good or this is bad. And that's not really how you want your kid to see things. So what you can do is always label their action. So it's not, you're not labeling him. You're saying, um, I really love how you picked up your blocks and you put everything away and your room is so clean. Like you should feel so proud of how clean your room is. That's a really bizarre example, but really it's like uh, honoring what he is doing and his actions. The other really big thing you could do for your kid that we did not have growing up, but people are way better about now is helping a kid label their emotion. So, um, Oh, your face is really red and your shoulders are up. Like, I think you might be feeling frustrated. So plenty of adults walk around, not even feeling their emotions, not having words for their emotions and not noticing that they were doing cues before maybe they got upset. So helping your kid just see like, Oh yeah, I am doing that. Or, um, Oh, you're running around a lot. I'm wondering if you need, um, like a squeeze or we need to go outside. So again, helping him just see like, Oh, I do things with my body that give me cues. Um, And the other thing that I tell parents a lot is help your kid receive a compliment and then also be able to give a compliment. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in our generation will compliment like, I love your shirt. I love whatever. And then if someone compliments like their personality in any way, they're like, uh, like, I don't know, but really that's sincere and kind, right? Like, Oh, I really appreciate that when I ask you to do something, I've said this to my partner before, he is like, if I ask him to do something, he does it. I might take two weeks to do something. So like, but really appreciating those like parts of someone that they also care about, right? Um, So learning to give and receive compliments. And then I think the other big thing is like, emotions real, mommy has emotion, daddy has emotion. 
you can label it after, right? Like mommy was feeling frustrated because this happened. Um, and then she, so always give the repair. Mommy was feeling frustrated. So then she went and took some deep breaths or she went and did yoga or she went and called her best friend, whatever. So they hear that there's a repair. What we sometimes do is just show kids the fighting or the frustrating and not the like, oh, we repaired this, right? So I'll work with kids who are in their teens and they're like, yeah, my mom and dad fight all the time. And they're like, never nice to each other. But what actually happens is mom and dad are having makeup sex behind closed doors or (laughs) mom and dad are having vulnerable conversations and the kids not seeing that part. So just a reminder to like, um, you don't have to like fully make up in front of your kids, but like show that that fight was like resolved in some way. Okay. Those are all good tips. What about, this is something else I heard my friends talk about and I like didn't even think it was a thing, but they were like, when it comes to like showing emotions to other people, like, Oh, um, like give grandma a kiss or like give grandma a hug. But like, what if your kid doesn't want to do that? But like, you also want like your kid to be like warm and fuzzy and like want to do that. Like, does that make any sense? Like this is some, my kid's like only eight months old, Yeah. but like, I feel like if my, like we just went home to New Jersey and I was literally, you're from Jersey. Yeah. Are you from Jersey? I didn't realize that. Oh, I am. Yes. I love it. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. We'll have to discuss more on that later. Cause that makes yes. me excited, but we just went home to Jersey and I can't even tell you like how much anxiety it gave me. We had a christening for my son. My mother-in-law was flying in the next day. My mother-in-law lives out in California and spends more time with my son than my parents. I literally was causing fights and like all this anxiety in my head because I was so scared that my son would give more attention to one grandmother. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry thinking about it than the other grandmother because I didn't want that, those grands, grandparents to be insulted. But he did it and he was right. fine. And I created all of this in my head. But I was like so worried about it. And I was like, what if he cries? Because he does, my parents don't hold him all the time. He was amazing. But like, I want him to be, I want that to continue. And like, as he gets older, like I'm sure that'll be harder. So like, how do you, how do you one, like handle that as a parent? And two, like, how do you teach your kids to be like warm and welcoming and engaging without like making them hug people like they don't want to hug? Like that's a whole mouthful, but like, this is where my brain's going. No, totally. And I can totally empathize with that. So I think one, just remember kids are little intuitive beings that can feel mom and dad's emotions like way better than we can. So if you're at all anxious, your kid will be aware of it. So it's just something for you to like, you know, just check yourself up, but I get your mom, you have emotions. It's not, but just something to be aware of. Um, and then two, you know, he's young, so you're not going to be doing like all these FaceTimes, but definitely like, like you want your parents. Yeah. So, but in a, like when he's older, he can even be more of like the person who's initiating those FaceTimes. And there could be more, I would say when you're doing those, make sure they're like, activity based a little bit. Like maybe he's showing grandma or video or grandma showing something new in the house. Cause like, I don't know. You remember being a little kid and someone being like, call grandma. Yes. And I'm like, hi. And she's like, Hey, <laughs> and like nothing happens. And you're like, Oh, that was so boring. So you want to make sure whatever it is, is like enriching in some way. That's a good um, That's so and good. then, yeah. And like, also as they get older, whatever they're into, maybe grandma can watch that TV show and they can talk about it, you know, or like grandma can read him a book on FaceTime. 
And then the other thing is if you guys are like a lovey, like I'm an Italian Jersey family, right? So like you yes. all hug and kiss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Yes. Yeah, and so if that's how, how it is, just do that. Like just model that like you and your husband should be hugging and kissing a lot. You hug and kiss him. Like just so he's seeing it a lot. Um, and again, look, I remember being at family parties and my parents being like, hug and kiss this person. I'm not traumatized from it. Like, <laughs> okay. you're not going to mess. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was a huge family. There'd be ants I hadn't seen in two years and it's insulting if you don't hug and kiss them. Right. So what I could, what you could do a little differently is, um, hey, we're going to see these people. They're going to expect you to give a hug and kiss. Do you think you could do that? Like when he's older, maybe like five. Um, so at least he feels like he has some choice. And if he says no, then you could say something like, okay, well, I'll go up with you when we say hi to people and I'll hug them and maybe you can fist pump them or like fist bump them or elbow them or something. So like give him an alternative because it's not like he can't not say hi to people. And right. when he's five, like that's cute. People are going to go, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but just so he also feels like he has ownership. Um, and then look, let's say he started to cry when your mom held him. You could be like, oh my gosh, I know a new person. I would totally feel a little overwhelmed too. But like, look, I love grandma. Like I'm hugging grandma too. You can make it like about the situation, not him, mm -hmm. right? Like, not like, oh, you're crying. Just like, yeah, new people. I could feel overwhelming, not about his actual um, reaction. Okay, thank you. I appreciate all those tips. It's super interesting how yeah. like much pressure and like... um about things that you've never even thought you would have to think about. And a lot of these things, honestly, I never even thought about until I started going on TikTok or people started sending me TikTok videos or like people sort of start like, I, sometimes I feel like, are we making things more complicated than they need to be? And so that's a thing. Overthinking Look, I'm everything. not, you're not going to fuck your kid up, but yeah. you're also not going to be perfect. Like right. my parents were perfect. I'm in this world. Like, I think just remember that, like, you're keeping him alive, right? He's fed. He feels loved. Like those are the big things. It's just, I would say the biggest thing you want your kid to have is safety, like that they feel safe in their house, safe with you, safe in their bodies. That's the like best gift you can give them. Cause that leads to feeling confident. And when you're confident, you can do more in life. Yes. That's amazing. Do you have any other tips to like raising confident children besides like making them feel safe. Cause I think that's something that like, we obviously discuss a lot on the platform. Um, and especially when it comes to like feeling, raising confident kids in their skin and in their bodies. Yeah. You know, I think one remembering that your kid is your kid, it's not actually an extension of you. So like your kid might be really into, I have a lot of kids I work with right now. They're really into like anime. Like oh, I have no interest in anime. Right. But like letting them own that. And then as a parent, also seeing the potential of how cool that is, like maybe they're going to learn to draw cartoons, like maybe, you know, so just, um, the other thing is letting kids have phases, right? So like they're really into this and then all of a sudden they're not, that's okay. It doesn't, it's not some indication that they're not going to stick with things later in life. And then confidence, I think to, you know, like, um, choices around activity. So what you can do is like, I don't know if you guys, go on hikes or something, or you have some work, you can infuse these activities into their life. And they might start to feel more confident, even talking to friends, right? Like I always was so jealous of kids who like, 
had cool structure and like they always went skiing on Saturdays or something. Like I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And that makes them feel good. Cause they're like, yeah, I do that. Um, so helping them by maybe building in some activities that are already in their life that they have to talk about. Um, and just an extension of that, like confident people in general, right. And I'm sure you guys talk about this. They do things, they have stuff to talk about. They have stuff to feel good about. So to give them those opportunities and then to be okay with like, ah, that just wasn't your thing. Like my mom really, really wanted me to like ballet. I have like two left feet. I'm a mess. Like you got, you have to be okay too with like, yeah, that just wasn't your thing, but that's awesome that you're so fast or whatever. Right. And sort of steer them towards something else if you can. I love all that. Thank you so much. Yeah. God, guys, I got to say, I'm, I'm not ready to raise kids. This is hard work. (laughs) This is hard work. Seems scary. I know. (sighs) The thing is though, like, I feel like I wasn't scared and I feel like until people started making me feel a certain way and still people were like, Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. Cause I was like, I feel confident in who I am as a person. I feel like I'm loving. I feel like I do all this stuff. I feel like I can raise like a good kid, but it's like all this outside voices. Although the guilt thing, that is hundred percent me. Like the Greek guilt is like something that they just (laughs) don't prepare you for in life. Um, So that is definitely something I put on myself, but all the other things I, maybe sometimes you just need to tune out the noise, but who knows? You just want to do a good job. I was going to say, I think unsolicited advice is everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's in relationships. It's in, and look, Instagram's wonderful. TikTok's wonderful, but there's, also a lot of bullshit out there that like no psychologist would be like, yes, that's a good idea. So also like check your facts and check, you know, some people tend to say things as fact. And then you're like, Oh, tell me a little bit more. And they're like, Oh, I watched a TikTok video. Right. And it's like, okay, but that's not necessarily like fact, <laughs> like this will work every time. Yeah. And humans are different. So certain things work for certain kids and other things don't. And that doesn't mean like your kid's weird or anything. It's just, it doesn't work for your kid. Right. Absolutely. Well, this has been so informative. I feel like I'm going to go out and be a better dater. Christina is going to be a emotionally intelligent mother for, for Nicholas. That's right. Um, but this has been so informative and helpful. Um, where can you let our audience know where they can find you pimp yourself out? If they're like, we need more Dr. Allie. Yeah. So they can follow me on Instagram, even though I just hated on it a little bit, but it's, um, <laughs> connecting, <laughs> it's connecting with Allie, A-L-I for Allie. Um, and then my website is Allie Arena, like sports arena communications. Amazing, Allie. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys all leave this episode feeling like you can better communicate, whether you're dating, whether you have a partner, whether you have a child, whatever it is. All right. Thanks, Allie. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Well, that was such a good conversation with Dr. Allie. Um, but before we leave you, we are being on our shit this week (laughs) and actually remembering to do the ask away with Ray and Kay segment. Yes. So before we get into it, if you have any questions for us, make sure you slide into our DMS message us at the confident collective and ask us any question you have. Um, we are down to give you advice on all things. Yes. All right, Christina read this week's question. 
All right, this, qu- this question says, I've been really struggling with seeing new and big stretch marks on my body. Do you have any tips on how to embrace them and feel confident? Because I literally cry every time I look in the mirror and I don't want to be like this. Oh, this makes me sad. Girl, I feel this on such a deep personal level and I just want to give you a fucking huge ass big hug and let you know that you are not alone. Um, I think the first and most important thing is to like sit in those feelings and realize like, it's okay to feel like that. Um, I feel like as like everyone's been talking more about like loving your body and like, you know, like just being so body positive, like we've been taught almost like to accept our stretch marks all the time. And like, it's okay to have these feelings. Like if you don't love them and you don't want to see them. Um, and as someone whose body has changed over the past year, like so much, I have new stretch marks and it's really hard for me to deal with too. So like, I feel you on that. Um, I think that the thing that you just really need to remember is that your body doesn't define you. And yes, these might be new stretch marks and maybe they're more visible, but you can't let them control you just because you have new stretch marks doesn't mean you're like any less than of a person. It doesn't mean that you can't wear that bathing suit. You can't wear that dress. You can't, you can still do all of those things. Um, and if you want to try and minimize them, that's okay too. Yeah. I think that like, you have to recognize change in any capacity is hard mm-hmm. and change in your body. That is like your being, that's going to be hard too. So like we are constantly, our body is going to change over time. The body that we had in high school is not the body we had today. Christina, the body you had before you had Nicholas, isn't the body you have today. So I think it's just, we kind of have to accept that our, our body is going to change through seasons and change is, is fucking hard. Um, I will say I would, I would follow Remy on Instagram. I'm sure you know her. She's blown up in this past year. We've had her on the podcast. She actually talks a lot about this specifically with stretch marks too. She, um, and I think a big part of it too, is just like being in company of someone who's doing, being through the same thing. So like, I know Christina, you, you're going through this, just recognizing a, like you're not alone, I think is also really comforting too. And like seeing people who rock their stretch marks and are wearing the swimsuit and living their life will inspire you to do the same. I think that that's been huge for me in like an area that like, if I'm self-conscious about something, if I see someone who also maybe is similar with that and I see them just like not giving a fuck and living their life, that inspires me to do the same. 100%. And honestly, it's kind of like exposure therapy. And like, once Mm -hmm. you start doing it, it starts becoming easier. Like I have, my stomach is just like, I don't love it right now. Like the shape is just different than it's ever been. And I have new stretch marks, but I wore a low rise bikini and you know what? Nothing fucking happened. The world didn't stop. No one said anything to me. I still felt amazing. I still swam. I still did my thing. And it's just like, you almost just have to take the plunge and get over it. Um, and just like try and work past it like that Mm -hmm. and just do it. And I will say just like, I know for me, I really feel like something that obviously I had a baby. I don't know what your situation is, but like, I, I like putting stuff on my stretch marks. Like I love bio oil and I use bio oil all the time. It's helped me with my past stretch marks. You know, even though I'm like, I I feel, I still feel confident because I don't let these stretch marks that I have now really ruin my day. It's more of just an acknowledgement that they're there, Mm -hmm. but I do continue to nourish my skin in a way with like oils and lotions. And that makes me feel a little bit better about myself. So if that's something that you need to do for you too, then do it. Mm-hmm. 
Gosh, I just, at end of the day, I want you to know you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. Body changes are really hard and you don't have to be in love with them. You don't need to write them a love letter, a a poem, a psalm. Just accept it and, and know that you're more than your body and more than your stretch marks. And it doesn't take away from your value as a person. Um, and that they're a normal part of a human body that I would say like, I wonder what percentage of the population has it, has stretch marks, like 99. I would say so. Yes. Like 99% of the population. Of course. I think so. I look at like Nicholas right now. I'm like, okay, how are you going to be like, Literally, how is it possible that this little person is going to grow to be a human being? Honestly, he has helped me like rationalize stretch marks and make me feel better about stretch marks, honestly, because He's so little. And yeah. I think he's going to be like a big guy. Like, yeah. how does someone that small grow to be that big? Or like one day and like we were that, that little and now we're like these big <laughs> women. And you know what? Like, of course, we're, we're going to have stretch marks. Yeah. Of course. Like we grow, we change, we, grow, we change. It's like it's natural. Um, I think it's just like we're so like <gasps> scared of them because they've been edited out for so long. And I think that like maybe our kids we'll see them differently I because so. they're in image. Like I'm shopping on ASOS now and I see girls with stretch marks. It's amazing. Which is just like, I just think it's going to be different. And it's really shitty that we were raised in like the nineties and had to like deal with this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like, hopefully the generation below us will just be like, Oh, it's just like, it's like, a, I have a toenail. I have a stretch mark. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's totally. like one in the same. I hope so. So we hope this helps. And we're sending you so much love and a big hug. And just remember, you are not alone. Ooh. All right. Well, guys, that is the end of our episode this week. Thank you so much for listening. We love you and appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.